0: David Thorpe, it's time for Bring It In on Tax Day. Let's talk about taxes today. Should we do that?
1: No, please no.
0: <laughs> okay, how about like, those
1: are the playoffs, man.
0: What a crazy weekend. Um, eight amazing games. We're one game into the playoffs for all series. And um, what's your, do you have like a, a one-sentence takeaway of what we learned so far?
1: Well, it's always it's the same thing every year for those of us that have to watch these games closely. It's just one game. Like these are not best of two, best of one, best of three, best of five; they're best of seven, and there's just been so many times where teams won game one, and people think that's the series, and of course it's just not remotely close to the series. You know, in every case except for maybe one because of an injury, so and maybe maybe a couple because in Dallas I'm a little worried about with Luca, but no, uh, yeah, the games were great, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in game two. It, just because you played a certain way in game one doesn't mean it happens every time. We're not machines.
0: We are not machines, um, draw. Did that seem like one sentence to you? That playoff, seemed like man. a thousand sentences. <laughs> that that
2: was that was an hour of things to discuss. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So easily the most exciting play was the Boston Celtics winning by one point over the Nets. And wow! I, when we first talked this morning, you're like, I could write a whole book about the last minute of that game. So let's start writing that book um, as a little setup. Uh, uh, Boston does things to make Kevin Durant's life hard. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I thought they attacked him well uh, when on the dribble. They try to make him uncomfortable and throw off his timing. That, that's the thing. You know, every he can make every shot in the book as long as he gets his rhythm right. And and that's you know, not everyone can do that. You 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 don't make every no human makes every shot when they get the rhythm right. He's better than most, and it's seven feet tall you know, you're kind of screwed because you can't really contest it. So they just, they break his rhythm off. They, they, they attack his, they attack him at his feet in a sense, you know, you can't get him high. So you go get him low. And uh, they've done that before. And they have, especially in Jason Tatum, you know, a guy almost his size and almost his length. Who's a decade younger or so, something like that. And um, that, I mean, I, I haven't seen Durant get a shot blocked on the perimeter. Like Tatum was able to do once or twice yesterday. That was impressive. So that's one thing they do well, is they get them uncomfortable.
0: And he looked a little, at times he looked a little, not tired, but just like not highest energy level. And um, there was, um, Kyrie Irving was absolutely amazing. And um, there was the beginning of the fourth quarter, there was this period where it was like the Nets best period. And actually it was Kyrie, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, Goran Dragic, and Seth Curry on the court. And probably was like, ooh, maybe, not that this, not, I'm not saying the Nets are better with Durant on the bench. What I'm saying is, maybe they can get Grandpa a little more rest, and he can be a little
1: sharper, right? Do you think there's anything there? Is there an opportunity there? For sure, and especially because at, at the Nets, well, at, at best, they're hoping to get five games. They're, it's more likely. I, I predicted it to go seven. I still feel that way. Um, and uh, and so it's a cumulative thing. You know, you you every minute you get him now, you might be able to get a little better from him later.
0: And there's a uh, um, the the announcers were saying that it was amazing. Kyrie was so great um, despite not playing much. But I think you and I are both thinking, man, it's the exact opposite. Like he he only played a thousand minutes. Um, Jason Tatum was among the leaders at 2,700. For sense of how few that was, but he's fresh as a daisy. He looks great, right? This is like potentially a little guide as to how other players should arrive in the playoffs.
1: Right, for sure. I, I was so surprised hearing that. I, I, I understand if you're dealing with a rookie playing intermittently uh, this ain't a rookie, you know, this is uh, a yeah. world champion, all-star first pick of the draft, Tyree Irving, all NBA talent and, and has earned those scenes before. Uh, and so for him, it's just the, the speed of the game. Isn't going to pass him up. He's fine with that. And I, I thought there were times where he looked super fast and I don't always think that of him, uh, but compared to everyone else, he is.
0: So, and also set in setting up this final couple possessions, um, You brought up a couple times this moment when KD was isolated on the perimeter with Al Horford. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think that they know Durant doesn't really want to go to the rim. So what he wants is to get you thinking he's going to the rim, which gives him a little extra space where he can get his little one-two step into his jumper. And they're trying their best to stay pressed up with him and basically saying, hey, I dare you to drive by me. Which is which is you you I think asked the question maybe in our document, does Al Horford play off Robert Williams in the game? Well, yeah. I don't I don't know if in the fourth, you know, he may not, but the whole idea is you're gonna get by Al Horford, maybe, because he's old. He really is potentially a grandpa, but Robert Williams, who ain't no grandpa, is behind him. That's the kind of the way you got Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, Al Horford pressing up, Robert Williams take care of it in the back end. It's a beautiful combination. So, um, but Kevin Durant doesn't want to go to the rim. He wants to shoot. And so Horford, it was a key part of the game where he stayed with him because uh, Durant doesn't want to go by him. And I think he probably could have, but he didn't really throw himself to do it. You know, a lot of times when you go at a player, the very first step you take, he's with you. It's the second and third step where you can get him. You're going forward; they're sliding backwards or sliding sideways. Speed forward is the better way to go. It's just a faster way. Uh, but Durant doesn't want to do it, and so we'll see. There'll be some adjustments the Nets will make. Maybe he will do it more early. They can get—I told you earlier—they can get the ball to him at better spots on the court, nearer to the rim, where it's just one step to the rim kind of thing, and he can shoot over you better too. I think they'll—they'll they'll deliver some different ways to—you to, know—try to get him forty next game.
0: Okay, so. When we first talked today, David was out walking. Were you walking the dog
1: or just walking by yourself? Walking the dog,
0: yeah. Walking the dog. uh,
1: We were going fast.
0: Briskly. He was walking the dog briskly. We will note the briskness. Um, And uh, and he's like, oh, let's talk about this last play. And he, like, just from memory, I was watching on a video, recounted, like, basically where all 10 players were at all moments of the last 35 seconds of the game, which is pretty cool. Um, And I just took these notes. But, um, all right, so very early in the play, Kyrie catches the ball – and you noticed that KD just kind of ambles towards the right wing, and that was important to you.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it signaled that okay, we're going to try to drain as much clock as we can on our possession with a one-point lead, so that worst-case scenario we miss, Boston's left with a little amount of time as possible uh, to get our shot off, which of course almost worked. You know, think about it, it almost worked. Um, I thought that was a mistake, though. I thought that they should attack quickly with and not force it. And so maybe you end up getting a great shot out of it, and now you're up three or four, or you get a free throw, you can set your defense, which would have been optimal, probably maybe the best thing of all, change up who you have on the court. Um, but I just thought he kind of, with the, um, is it sanguine attitude Durant had? England, yeah. Sanguine, yeah. Sanguine, um, yeah. yeah. Like He's like, all right, okay, Boston knew right then. All right, they're going to they're gonna drain the clock here. And uh, so I, there's many mistakes that the Nets made, I didn't even go over all of them with you today. Uh, we can now, I hope. To. But that was the first I thought. is They should have been – I understand the argument Nash would have, but uh, I, I would have tried to get press early and then just trust with those two guys who are such brilliant players, we're going to get a good shot out of this. And if we shoot with 15 on the clock instead of 12, but it's a better shot, great. As it turns out, they took a garbage shot, and I think that was their own fault.
0: So then Bruce Brown's on the right block instead of in the right corner, which also got your attention.
1: Yeah, I did. I, I think you would think initially you would put him in the right corner and get more space inside. They already have class in the dunk spots. And now you have two guys down low. But I thought the reason why is because late in games, when teams are trapping Kyrie or KD, Brown was the one to come to the second box, basically. You're the nail to be a good target. We call that pressure release. Uh, and so if he's in the corner it's a longer trip than it is from the block up and as it turns out that's exactly what happened is uh, he he didn't do execute I thought well but I think that was why he was in the right block but I would tell you next time they might just they might I mean think about it if he's in the corner Kyrie might be able to get by two people but having having that third not just the your own teammate but also his defender is just kind of Mucks things up, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe next time they they send him out a little bit. Maybe Durant gets to the middle in in that situation where Kyrie's got the ball and they double him.
0: Well, I guess the point is like that they had a they appeared to have a team philosophy of what to do if Kyrie's doubled.
1: Right? I, I, I think like, they were prepared for the the double. The way yeah. Boston was likely going to play it was going to be double on the catch, double as the ball is traveling to the receiver, or doubling the dribble. And in this case, I think it was doubling the dribble. Um, and, or, or just if you see Kyrie kind of probing and flirting, maybe just rush him then and uh, with two guys, you know, Horford being one and then Brown right away is triggered then to be pressure released in the middle of the court.
0: Um, And you, you make this little observation that kind of one-on-one against Marcus Smart is, you know, not like a dream matchup. It's yeah. obviously it's Kyrie, so that's great, but that wasn't like amazing, right? Because he's Maybe the best premier defender in the world. I think
1: he's the second best to Drew Holiday, but what do I know? I mean, it's it's a coin flip. Those guys are. I mean, they're they're different how they do it, but uh, I think Drew's lateral quickness is unbelievable. I think Smarts more physical, and and that helps, especially if they if they let you play physically, which a lot of times they do. Um, yeah, but that's the first thought I had is what my first thought was. Boy, KD is kind of relaxed here. My second thought was. Well, they clearly think one-on-one against Marcus Smart is the, is, is the best play. And I don't know that I agree. I, I, Kyrie is unbelievable. I mean, but so is Marcus Smart. I, I just wondered, boy, I, I think Boston's okay with this. And then especially when you bring up a second one as smart as Horford. So uh, I, this is why Boston's defense is what it is. Because if any team should have an advantage in isolation, it's the Nets but you got Jason Tatum on KD and Marcus Smart on Kyrie, you know that's that ain't that's that's just not even close to optimal and almost something the Nets never see in the regular season is that kind of two man defensive front.
0: So then Seth Parton out tweeted that whole play, of saying like, look at Halle Horford playing great D and. He runs over and helps twice on Kyrie and then gets the rebound. And I retweeted it. And this morning you're like, eh, a lot of people can do that.
1: <laughs> I, I did not think that was Horford did more impressive things in this game than that. I thought, yeah. I thought, I, I mean, I thought Kyrie, Kyrie messed up, and I thought Bruce Brown messed up too. Um Okay, so explain that. Yeah, so basically, if you if you're if you're listening to this, you're welcome to watch the play. I'm not watching it. I only saw it uh, this morning and I saw it live last night. But Durant's on the right above above on the right wing above the break. And so Tatum is kind of off and towards, which means off his man and towards the ball. So Brown's job is to be pressure released for Kyrie's facing two guys, two very good defenders in Horford and Smart. And so you kind of come to the nail area, the nail is the middle of the free throw line. But you need to take a step towards Kyrie, away from Tatum, because Brown doesn't see Tatum, but Kyrie does. Whether he looked or not, he knows he's there. If, if you throw a pass that isn't right to Brown's chest, Tatum can slip in from that weak side and get a hand on it, or even possibly steal it, deflect it or steal it. And so you've got to shorten that passing lane from Kyrie to the pressure release guy, which is Brown. And Brown didn't do that. He kind of hung back a little bit. And so people can criticize Kyrie. I would criticize Kyrie for his decisions on that, but I'm not doing it absent the reality of the fact that he may have felt like if I throw it to Brown, Tatum's going to get it. And so I know if I keep it, at least I won't lose the ball. And so it's not like it's 100% blame goes to Kyrie. This was a Nets failure, not a Kyrie failure. Because I thought Brown did not give Kyrie the the target. You want to be a great target. And he was not a great target there, I didn't think.
0: And then you were thinking KD could have moved Tatum a little
1: further away. And then I thought KD could have dragged Tatum farther away. And if if he does that, it's a risky pass cross-court to Durant. Not because you're going to throw it too high. Kyrie's made that pass a million times in his life. But because Al Horford's way bigger. And so when you throw a pass over your head, you run the chance of, of Horford getting his hands on it. So that, w- But I still it would have probably dragged Tatum away because the teaching point there is, please stay attached to Kevin Durant. So I think Tatum would have been dragged away, and therefore Brown would have been even more open at the 14-foot spot right in front of the rim, in the paint. Mm-hmm. But but Kerry wasn't thinking pass. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, again, I, it, it's it's possible or probable that he wasn't thinking pass, but it's also, like I said, he might have been feeling like I can't take the, the risk of throwing it to him there. If I can't blow by these guys, I'll throw it out to KD, and we'll kind of reset, which is what happened. Of course, at this point, the clock is now a sixth defender because it's winding down.
0: Yeah, and it was a very – I mean, well, what about that pass? Like, eventually you know, after – Going on a little bit of a dribble quest. Curry ends up firing a, t- a tough pass to KD with, I don't know, maybe two and a half I mean, that's left, well, that's like when that. the
1: possessions won by Boston. When when now you're you're throwing, it. it's like in soccer, you're mounting a, a chance to score a goal, but now you got to kick it backwards to reset. Well, that's all fine and good, except when there was four seconds left in the game, which in this case mm-hmm. was the, with a the shot clock. Durant doesn't have many options. Unfortunately for the Nets, their spacing was so bad at this point. Brown's in the middle of the court. Drogic is, if memory serves, too close to Durant. When Durant tries to drive Tatum left, which is typically where Durant likes to go, Drogic's in the way. As almost <laughs> like a defender. And Drog- instead of Drogic, like a Steph Curry. You know, Curry is great at racing out to shoot. I thought Drogic didn't have that urgency. Get away, get away, get away. And force force uh, the the Celtics to make a decision. I think they would have stayed with KD. I think Drogic would have been wide open. And KD might have passed it. I have no idea. But he... Not only was he not able to be a good receiver for Durant, he actually cut off Durant's drive a little bit. It was just bottled up in there, so it was bad spacing all around there.
0: That yeah, That once you pointed me pointed out Goran to me, I was like, oh man, he kind of he kind of he starts in the left corner, then he kind of jogs to the free throw line, and he's like, oh god, I'm in the way yeah. a little bit. I just yeah, that was a mess. It doesn't look like an NBA playoff game when you watch that one player.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that was. There was a, a couple instances of a little bit of casualness um, uh, by the Nets, and uh, they would, you know, up one, that, that isn't enough. Like, you need to be more sharp. You need to be sharper than that. And how then, often
2: uh, has one thing that kind of he- that lineup of Dragic, KD, right. Kyrie, Nick Claxon, I believe, was the other guy on the floor? Uh, how, how many minutes has that lineup played yeah, together Jackson, in any kind of pressure right. moments?
1: Well, the answer is probably zero if you factor in how Boston defended the play, which was the the uh, the rush by Hor- the bum rush by Horford on the Kyrie dribble drive, and so yeah, now you're just reacting on instinct. You know, we we talk a lot about um, guys know how to play the game. Well, Goran Dragic knows how to play the game, but to your point, Gerard, I don't think it's necessarily a lack of minutes with those guys. I think it's just a lack of minutes. Period. He just hasn't played a lot. Because the instinct should have been, get away from the driver. You want a good 15, 20-foot space there. And he just got caught kind of shot-watching. Wasn't even ball-watching. I think he was waiting for Durant to shoot the ball and be like, oh, shit, I'm in the way. Too late. Like, he won't make that mistake again. Like, that's an easy thing in film to adjust to. And guess what? We're going to have some other close games probably. Yeah. They might be down one. They might be up three. But they're gonna, we're going to have some more possessions like that.
0: So uh, Nick Claxton was barely guarded all possession, and part of me was like, well, how do you do that? How do you get up to him? And you immediately said that basically you have to play downhill. This is why you get the ball to Bruce right. Brown. You want to talk about that? Right,
1: because Irving couldn't play downhill because he had two guys in front of him, two very good defenders. Right. So you got to get the ball to Brown, whoever's in the middle. In this case, it was Brown, and then he can play downhill. If you don't come out to Brown, he's going to get a layup or a dunk if you if you stay home. If you come at him, I think he's able to come one dribble and then throw the lob with the easy bounce pass and Claxton. They probably foul Claxton going for the dunk because he's such a bad free throw shooter, but it still can be an and one in that situation. That's how you do it. You play downhill. This is, this is Warriors versus Cavs 20 first, 2016, was it? First year that they played against each other, where I texted you when I said the Warriors have this figured out. They just started playing downhill in that very situation. They, were, they weren't trapping Curry as much as they were just kind of showing hard with two guys. I thought they were more aggressive on Kyrie than they were on Steph in that series. But when he just started giving the ball to David Lee in the middle, he did it twice for a three and a dunk. like everything. That's what I texted you. Like, okay, this is all they have to do. And there's there's nothing else the Cavs can do at this point. This was the last hurrah. It wasn't such a great strategy by David Blatt as much as it was betting that Steph Curry in the finals didn't want to just keep giving the ball up, which is exactly what happened with Kyrie. He doesn't want to give the ball up. He wants to be Kyrie Irving. That's not to say he would never pass, but he'd probably pass to Durant. Or a wide open dunk guy, not a Gretzky, because that should have been the Gretzky. Throw it to Brown. Brown goes downhill. They show he throws the lob. Claxton gets the dunk. They're up three with you know eight seconds or twelve seconds of whatever. Kyrie wants to hold the ball, which is why you double him the way you the way they did it. This wasn't a surprise by just Boston. To,
0: just to give you guys a sense of how David's brain works, David goes into this game before game one thinking, yeah, if I'm Steve Nash, I probably trust Bruce Brown to make good choices in the second box late in
1: the game. Yeah, for sure. That's, I mean, we've, we've seen it in, in the postseason. I wrote about it, that they are not a team to come back down 10 in the fourth because you're going to have an urgency about you to guard those two incredible all-stars. And they are brilliant at just giving the ball to Brown and letting him play down, or they can get downhill themselves and throw the lob. But they couldn't against Horford and Smart. This is When you diagnose a, a defense like the Celtics, there's lots of variables. And we'll talk some of them about how the Nets broke down on the other end. But, but, but Boston does a lot of things right to be the best defense in the league. And one of them is they had everyone on the floor knows what they're doing. And you can't just blow by them easily. And you're stuck with what you're stuck with. And in this case was a, a terrible shot by one of the best shot makers. It may be the best shot maker of all time but Jordan. Best seven-foot shot maker of all time when you put it on the ground one time is Durant. And, but against Jason Tatum. So, again, think about it this way. Boston goes into the possession. Okay, your second-best playmaker is going up against our best defender, matched-up-wise for size. Now your best playmaker is going up against our second-best or single-best wing defensive uh, guy. That's a win for Boston. They've already won. The fact that they got a double team in there, just scrambled up the Nets offense even more, that's just excellent coaching and execution by the Celtics defense.
0: Jason Tatum was outstanding on that particular play, too, right? He just
1: a was bunch of right points.
0: there.
1: I, I, I want to hear Gerard on this because he knows the Nets so intimately. Uh, if you watch the game, what did you think of Jason Tatum defensively on Durant the whole game? Not the whole game, but much of the
2: Jason, game. Jason Tatum is a bona fide superstar. He was so freaking good in this game. Uh, defensively, I love how he would start on Durant and then if they tried to switch get a switch on him you'd have someone else come on Grant Williams whomever front Durant right get into what you mentioned before coach bother him below in his base cause those issues right and I thought that also the refs allowed them to be super physical too as he was trying to come out from underneath those those pin downs and that you know th- this isn't a secret that's the book on Kevin Durant like If you want to, like, make it annoying for him, get super physical. And if they let you get super physical, it works. And Boston did that really, really well. And they have the athletes to do it, right? Like Tatum, Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, like all these big bodies, and this is helpful for for them. So, yeah, I I thought Tatum was – and he had some moments, as you mentioned. He had that one block on Durant's jumper on the wing. He has excellent size and length to bother Durant. So it's going to have to be a a chess match now, right? They're going to have to figure out – all right. What is my what's my recourse? What am I doing next to figure this out?
1: Yeah, get Durant to different places on the court. You can't just let him try to isolate from the perimeter against uh, against Tatum too much. Um, I, we should mention Grant Williams, who was not on the court then, but uh, uh, that's a big, strong dude, man. And he he is he is like PJ. He's Tucker. a fire hydrant? Like, like right, like like Chuck Hayes in the past, like guys that look like him, he's a much better shooter than, than Chuck Hayes was, um, as his PJ, um, they found a way to get on the court and, and to Gerard's point, it's not unique to KD where you don't score as easily against physical play. That's human beings. Maybe maybe robots will be uh, unaffected by physicality, (laughs) but human beings are affected by it. It's, it's, yeah, we want to impede with, we want to move, move without impediment and, And of course, the defense is not supposed to be allowed to do it so much. But this is the you know the kind of the zig and the zag of the playoffs. Um, They they just try to get him out of his comfort zone, which is exactly what I promise you is on scouting points. Get him uncomfortable.
0: You guys, I'm so pleased. We just did about 20 minutes on about 15 seconds of play. There's so much to talk about on the other end. (laughs) I know so much more. Let's go. We gotta go. Let's turn it around. All right. So yeah. So then Horford gets the ball. And uh, uh, you, Doka, I want to run over there and give him a big kiss for not. Oh, hold on, out. hold on.
1: <laughs> I want to make a point about Horford. If again, yeah. watch this play. So he he first gets his hands on the ball, but doesn't have control. But the millisecond he's got it, it's a snatch. And that's exactly how, uh, there's so many fundamental things on. That's why I could write a book about this. There's so many fundamental things going on in both ends with all the players. Uh, he, he, he the. Every millisecond you don't own it, you are vulnerable to the bad guys knocking it away, which would have been potentially devastating for Boston. It's a new clock if the Nets get the ball back, and now you have to foul. So this is – you don't have to be a 15-year veteran. You just have to be – normally it is a veteran play to to absolutely recognize the millisecond I have it, I have got to own it, boom, and nobody can take it from me, and boom, now now we're going to get rid of it, and it's gone. So I noticed that too. If you watch it, you'll see what I mean by the snatch. It wasn't just a rebound. There is a violent move. It's just a couple inches, but it's a violent, okay, it's mine, and let's play. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Henry, did you notice how excited Coach got when he banged in and said, boom?
1: I did. The microphone. I did. Listen, this is, I don't get it. I don't get passionate about a lot of stuff, but this is the game right here, right? (laughs) Al Horford rebound,
0: they'll do it. Yeah. Um all right, so the nets have recapping uh Kyrie Irving, Gordon Dragic, Nick Claxton, Kevin Durant and Bruce Brown on the floor which might have changed with a timeout For sure it right? would have. I am not sure who who would they have played you think I,
1: I well I, I it wouldn't have been Kyrie I don't think I yeah. I you could argue it would be because if if you get a rebound and you throw it to him he's a great free throw shooter but you'd have to consider not putting him in I don't I don't know but uh, Dragic probably wouldn't have been in um yeah. I'd be surprised if that same five was in, and uh, and listen, as I said to you, I'm not. I, I'm glad he made. I'm glad he didn't call a timeout. But I'm telling you, it's not like it was a no-brainer. The, the probably the better the better way to do it was. I said to you, if you if early offense doesn't something doesn't start happening, that you always have the timeout. But initially, I think it was wise, unless you just have nothing but defensive players in the game too. But that's the beauty of the Celtics. All those same guys are two-way players, you know? You don't have to make any changes.
2: The Nets have a problem that um, will not change, which a is side note, I... a bunch of six-foot-two guys coming off the bench.
1: Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's been a problem um, all, it was a problem all game. It was just solid, it was small.
0: And Kyrie's like, you know, he, he's like maybe the best player in the world, right? Um, in terms of just skill set on yeah. offense. But he's always been Terrible and the advanced stats on defense. Like, not just bad, but like super bad. And I had to once ask him, he was on Troop TV many years ago, and John Hollinger just made news by calling Kyrie a flaming train wreck on defense. And he was on Troop TV, already booked, so I had to ask him about it. (laughs) Which was definitely, like, you could see he was like, Awkward. run subroutine 47b to like act to journalist like you care about this question right and she's like oh I, you know i'm gonna work hard on it and get better and i care about my job it's like but meanwhile well let's see how this goes yeah um so Jalen brown flies down the right side drives baseline into a double team and uh david thorpe you wrote a book called basketball's jazz which has a chapter called baseline is death
1: yes but i also i didn't write this in the book it'll be in my next one whenever i get around to it i think i've got it half done now um I, I I I invented the term the second box for a reason. This is where you need to go. And so Jalen so Brown does two very, very wise things. One, he doesn't pick up his dribble. If he does that, it's timeout right away. Immediately, I, I really think that he, he may, uh, I would think he'd recognize the millisecond. My guy goes baseline picks it up. I got to go timeout because we're in trouble. We might get a shot off. So he doesn't pick his dribble up. And then he takes it to second box. So I told which is them. where can you tell people where the second yeah, box so, is? Yeah, so so if you think of the if you think of the painted area in front of the rim, you know the, the 15 foot from the from the baseline, the rim really to the free throw line, and then the key, cut it in half horizontally. The first box is where the box the rim sits in. Second box mm-hmm. is the other part of it up to the free throw line. I always teach our players get to the second box and then read, think, score, but read. What's it, if Rudy Gobert is what I would say is in the first box, maybe stop in the second box because you're not going to win that battle too often. That's exactly how I teach it. I told you this morning, Henry, uh, I'm, I'm overseeing kind of helping a, a player development uh, guy with pro prospects out West. And I had just gave him the second box speech maybe a week ago. We talked a lot about it. I'm like, you have to teach our guys every day about the second box. And um, he was so excited that all week long, they've worked on baseline dribble Keep dribble alive, which I did not invent that. he Everyone smartly works on that. But then get to the second box if you can. Like, you can always pass it if you want to. But there wasn't a lot of time in this situation, which is why you practice, reset, attack second box, and make a play. So Jalen Brun does two very fundamentally good things. He tries to go baseline. It's not there. It wasn't really double teamed. It was one guy. There was a crowd, but it was a baseline. That part, that's a defender. He couldn't throw the drift pass to the opposite side. He brings it out, gets the second box, and then kicks it to Marcus Smart. And that's when the Nets really started fucking up. <laughs> we'll go on. Yeah. So they throw it to Marcus Smart. So to me, the one thing you have to do is not let him get by you. I realize you're thinking of the clock, but you can't play the clock because you'll, you just can't win that. And, and by the way, do you see what Marcus Smart said after the game about having the time to make that pass? He said, I've always been taught there's more time to realize it's exactly what good coaches teach. It's like the swimming coach Gerard teaches your swimmers, you don't need those last breaths. You have enough air in your lungs. You're not no one's ever gotten conscious swimming in a race. Back. Just keep you know digging. Don't take a breath, those last meters, whatever, right? Same thing. So anyway, they rush at Marcus and Brown Brown is super fast. <laughs> he gets there so fast, but he jumps. And Marcus Smart uses that to fake him and Claxton. If both guys just tall up and stay home, I don't know what Marcus does. He, he takes a contested three, dribbles around them, and the clock's still winding down. But you you let him go straight line past both of you. It's a huge fundamental mistake, and uh, and that's when the last thing breaks down, which is it's easy to look at KD's mistake. I don't know. I mean, they're scrambling now, so it's hard to ever say mistake. Kyrie fucked up more, but if you want to talk about KD, we can.
0: Well, so first, though, Marcus gets right to the second box again, right? This yeah. is well, their, he doesn't
1: quite get to the second magic. box, but he's moving in that direction, which means the court is smaller. You're in the middle of the court. Yeah. Everyone is one pass away, as opposed to if you stay on one side of the court, some guys are two pass away. It's too long of a pass to make if you don't get towards that middle. Mm-hmm. So by getting towards the second box, other guys are open.
0: So to, I, to my eyes, I see two things happening. One is uh, Jason Tatum has been calling for the ball basically since the Celtics got it. He's like, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. But he doesn't, and KD's his guy. So KD's like about at the free throw line, kind of worried about Jason Tatum who's behind the three-point line. But Jason later says that he didn't think he would get the ball, but he was going to try to get the put back. But he takes off for the rim.
1: Yeah. Good move, generally? Was that a, was that a oh, good thing, you yeah. think? Well, my yeah. rule is with, with, with the players we work with is when your man loses sight of you, you either cut to the rim or relocate far away from him for three. But the spacing of that play, Derek White's in the right corner. kyrie has got him. So Ke- Kevin Durant relocating really wasn't going to help any – I'm sorry, Jason Tannen relocating wasn't really going to help a lot. Right. So I-, I thought his thought process was fantastic. I don't think he thought he'd get the pass. I think he was hoping to get the tip in, but either way, make a play standing out there. You're just a spectator hoping go, no, get to the rim down three, different story, but you're down one, down one or two, make a play like that. That is high level energy by Jason Tatum. It just worked out that he got the pass, but had smart shot it. maybe there wouldn't be enough time to tip in, but you can't fault the effort of doing that. And Durant was, you know, normally as soon as you guys go to the ball, now you're a zone. You're not a man anymore, you're zoned. Because you only have four or three guys the rest of the court. And there were two guys up top. And so he, uh, he kind of stays up top like he's zoning, but his backs to the play. He's facing the ball, but his backs to the play. The guy that saw it all coming was Kyrie. Kyrie's guarding. The one guy that didn't care to guard most of the game was Derek White, who's really struggling to shoot the ball. And he's in the right corner. So Kyrie is in the middle of the court where he should be. But he's got to make the recognition that, all right, can I make a play on Marcus here? The answer is no. There's no play to make. Marcus isn't a threat at that point. There's guys in front of him defensively that are there to do something. And Marcus, I think, had already picked up his dribble. And so your first rule, and I told you this morning, I played quarterback and linebacker. So I learned, because of both positions, how if, if you're a linebacker and nothing in front of you is worrisome, then look to your side. I played strong side linebacker, so I would look to my right. Who's crossing into my zone? So if in tackle football, you're worried about getting blocked. In flag football, you're worried about just reading the game or if you're just scrimmaging without, you know, without pads. So you look to your right to see who's coming in my zone. And the quarterback that, that does know how to read weak side is the, is the guy you pick off all the time. And I, I'm lucky to say that I had a lot of those. Kyrene never does that. He strictly ball watches. And at the last second, here's Tatum. And Kyrie isn't seven feet tall. He can't make a play at the rim. You have to make a play on the pass or the catch, the gather. Uh, And he just fell asleep. And I I said to you after I watched it a few times, I remembered later that he is observing Ramadan. what What he delivered yesterday is nothing short of extraordinary. Again, against an incredible defensive team with incredible defensive players who execute. But he ain't a machine. And that one play might have been just a bit of a physically fatigued guy. Understandably so. I respect him for, for following his, for his religious views. But uh, it didn't help on that play. And he just, he just went blank. He just went brain dead. And Tatum took advantage of it. Smart made it the perfect pass. And that was that.
0: It was wild. Honestly, I, I, I mean, who knows how this series is going to go. As you point out, it's just one game. But assuming it's going to be a very close series, like – this is definitely a game the Nets could have won and it is a game the Celtics won. It seems like, woo, like that could yeah. be, that could really come
1: back to haunt you. I think that we are looking at a very likely a six or game in seven game series. If Robert Williams is healthy from day one, I feel differently. I, I think Boston has a significant advantage, but he isn't there. And I, therefore, I don't think there's a significant advantage. Uh, if if uh, KD ends up Looking fatigued as the series goes on, that's a red flag and they're done. But I don't expect that right now. Um, I think the Nets, I think there's a real chance the series is at 3-3 going to game seven. And so, yeah, they, the Nets were that close to winning the series. Again, after what happened last year with Durant's shot. Um, it, it, I mean, listen, the, the Celtics could easily win game two. These are, in these coin flip games, anything can happen. But I think they're very evenly matched and, and I'm glad it's a great series.
0: It is fun to watch Um, and really fast, but I, you know, there was this little incident with Kyrie flipping the bird and some fans and blah, blah, blah. And um, well, what's your, what's your thinking?
1: All right. So I, we talked off air and with Gerard. um, I've never understood, even when I was a, a teenager, this idea that we can do things as spectators that we would never be allowed to do. I remember I was a kid. I would never have been allowed to do that at home. My parents would, if I had ever pulled that shit at a Buccaneer game, I'm out of that stadium. And I'm sitting in the van, by the way. We had a van. We had a high top vans. My my parents, my dad wasn't going to leave the game. I was just sitting in that fucking Florida sun with no keys. Doors open, that's, that's it. Sounds nice. I, yeah, if I had yeah. ever done anything, yelling nothing, I was never, I could boo to the referees at best, although I never remember my dad booing even one time. It just wasn't what we did. So all that being said, I wanted to say to Kyrie, just act like they're not there. I, I did, late in the game, you saw him. Was kinda, he was kind of making some hand motions and doing a little crying towel thing. Like, dude, we're playing the Boston Celtics, the best defense in the league, significantly so this year. And uh, we need every ounce of energy that you have. Just ignore them. Now, I don't know Kyrie well enough. Maybe he gets energized. Uh, players do that maybe it feeds them and uh if that's the case i would i would say maybe i'd rather you keep the fifty thousand. but i generally speaking i just believe i like what coach k says to his players talk to duke and i've been saying that for 20 some odd years Now, when i heard that i've always told my players just whatever our team is talk to us like let's just eliminate every other every other bit of noise it's a hard enough game as it is uh but i but I i wish henry let me just say this i wish Coach Adoku and, and everyone involved in the Celtics, I wish they would just say to their fans, like, at some point, we need you to just to root for us. It, do, it doesn't serve any purpose to demean our our opponents who are human beings, who have wives and kids and moms and sisters and everything else. It, let's be better than that. I wish someone would say it. I, I'd have no problem saying it. If I was ever in charge of a team, I I would definitely speak up to... Uh, not in the NBA necessarily, but I speak up to our fans. Like, can we just can we just focus on sharing our guys on? We're not we're not doing anyone any good by acting like complete fucking idiots to the other team. I just it's below us. Yeah,
0: I've been I live in the Northeast. You know, my whole adult life I've been going to NBA games, and so it's you know Sixers games, Nets games, Knicks games, Celtics games, and uh, I don't know if the whole NBA is like this, but you know, in those arenas every single game there's at least one person and usually everyone knows I, I know people who are season ticket holders who've asked to like have their tickets moved because they can't be the guy like the person who curses at opposing players all game long there are people who just stand up and scream the most horrible things all game long it's a weird little subculture um of american sports fandom i don't really get it it's totally foreign to me totally off-putting and off-putting to Kirby turns out and I'd, my my one thought is, like, anybody who has thoughts about how any player like Kyrie should or should not act in that moment, it's like, just, I wish you had the whole tape. I wish you had, oh, a, yeah. like, a 30-minute a audio of all of that, and then decide who the
1: asshole is. Like, it's it's always the fan, oh, right? I, like, I do not when, think Kyrie's an asshole. Yeah, I just want him 100 percent focused on winning. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: You're giving him excellent coaching advice. I'm more just like, there is also this thing happening in the media today, which is like, you know, who was wrong? Who's the jerk? What should have happened? And it's like, and that one, like, just play the whole tape. There's no question here. Yeah. It's It's no,
1: he's not shooting a bird because someone said, hey, Kyrie, I hope you miss you, sweet man. No, (laughs) No, that's not what happened at all. Right. (laughs) I didn't care. You never never hear you, sweet man. That never comes out.
0: Yeah, it's a strange there's a psychological thing happening that's like deep and harmful and related to America's dark history. And it's it just it's right. it's just like what the hell is going on? Um okay. Well we did um 30 seconds of one game of 40 minutes. Um and now we have seven series to get to. <laughs> you
1: think we can do this? Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Let's go. None of them are quite Ready? as interesting as that
0: last play. They better not be. Um <laughs> all right. Uh Grizzlies, T-Wolves. Um, here's what you said about Anthony Edwards to me on the phone. He's more athletic, more offensively assertive. Drew Holiday. He has some John Morant. He's a mini Zion.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, got a stuff. lot. I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback on negative feedback on Twitter because I make I, I make these comparisons, but I'm I'm not really comparing. Talk to Duke, them. Coach. Talk to Duke. Just talk to Duke. Yeah. And, well, my thing is no, it's a it's a teaching <laughs> point. Right. It's great. Uh, it, I could describe all these qualities of Anthony, or I could just say those names, and you should know exactly what I mean. Like I'm not talking about Zion's winning smile. I'm saying no, he's a fucking powerful athlete that like how does he do that? Like that's what Anthony Edwards makes you think, like Zion's and Morant, the way he slid the suit people. Um Edwards was uh yeah, boy, he was he was terrific. I just thought he going in, we knew he could make crazy shots. He takes crazy shots, but he's very talented. But I love his six assists. he, he he's he's getting off the ball faster than I thought he would in his second year. He competes defensively. I thought Minnesota – I thought it, it looked exactly like it looked like last year with Memphis versus Salt Lake City, for Utah. One team is heavily favored. The other team brings all the edge, no fear, no anxiety. Memphis played a little nervous. They they, they did not play carefree. Game two, okay, you hit the mouth, you're on now. Like, if it, if the first punch doesn't knock you out in boxing, it wakes you up and you compete. So – they got punched in the mouth. They're not knocked out. It's one game. I still think Memphis is sitting up for a better team. But Minnesota is, is no joke. I mean, they have – D'Angelo Russell did not play one. Well. He had 37 the last game they played against him in the regular season. Cat is cat. Ed, you got Edwards. Um, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a great series. I think I had it going six. So I think I actually wrote in our publication, it's going to be 2-2. I think it's going to be 2-2. And then I think Memphis can win game five and six. But, yeah, nothing's surprising so far.
0: Steven Adams has been bad against Cat all year. Would you bench him?
1: I I I would try not starting him in this game and bring him in, um, stagger him some with uh, with Cat's resting minutes, or maybe in the final two minutes of what you think Cat's rotation is going to be, so he's a little bit little bit you know less um, able, more fatigued, um, mm-hmm. because he I, he looked lost. He he looked like he was sick. Normally Stephen Adams is this you know, gigantic man full of energy. And I did not think he had that. I thought Memphis was lacking energy for a lot of the game. And uh, yeah, I would, I would not, I don't think Taylor Jenkins will do it. I think he's, people are saying he's more like coach Bud, who he spent a lot of time with um, before he's going to stick with what he's always done. I think that's a mistake. I would, I would not start Adams and bring him in. You could start him game three, but I would do something different game two. And
0: you expected Memphis to have a huge advantage on the offensive glass, which they didn't. No, they got beat in the
1: offensive glass. That yeah. that that was uh, that's a major problem for them. They need to, they need to pull. Minnesota did a great job of of blocking people out, and uh, it's listen. I'm not seeing stuff before a game that they're not seeing. They're watching. They have five, six, seven, eight, nine guys watching tape and, and studying data, and they knew that we're in trouble if we don't if we don't at least compete on the glass. Well, they outcompeted. Mm-hmm. So that's I don't know if that'll happen again, but it definitely happened in game one. And there and, and sitting Adams does impact that to some degree but they've got other guys that can, that can get involved in that and Adams will play. He just, he just won't start. I just wouldn't start him necessarily against cat in game two. Um, I was a little bit
0: that game. I was a little bit bummed at how much of the late game offense was John Morant, like driving into like basically trying to draw a foul, right? It looked like John Morant crashed to the floor. Uh, I don't know, three, four or five times late in the game. And I just felt like, and then missed free three. He made one or two free throws a lot. Um, I just felt like the not the Grizzlies, how they won when Ja was out with all sorts of people contributing from all over. I just felt a little bit like a little like the was knew where the attack was coming.
1: Well, they definitely did. And uh but it's also this is Ja has to, has to recognize this is the postseason. The 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 whistle's probably not gonna be quite as tight. Teams are a little bit more aware of what your tendencies are. They're not worried about the game they just played or the game they're about to play. It's just tonight only. They had only a day of rest, but still uh, oh, they had more. Of those. Minnesota had a few days of rest. Um, th- I think he'll be more prepared for Game Two. He needs to. He needs to get more floaters, those second box jumpers, don't over penetrate, get off the ball when two guys are showing on you. Minnesota's not a great defense. Okay,
0: he, the Heat just rolled the Hawks. Um, Duncan Robinson was eight of nine from three, which you point out. Well, you say they'll, they'll never lose when he does that. Okay. Why do you say that?
1: I mean, twenty-four points on you know and not, on nine shots. And and all the other ones he didn't get, but but pulls all that gravity, opens up the paint that much more. And um Capella didn't play. So their best friend protector didn't play. John Collins played, but Capella didn't. So this is the this is this I wrote about this. We picked the Heat in five because they're such a good shooting team. Without with Capella, I would have picked him in six. Without him, I picked him in five. Of course, I also thought John Collins wasn't gonna play. He's a good defender too. But um they don't have enough to be able to contest on the perimeter against the best shooting team in the league and then also take out people like Jimmy Butler at the rim and Tyler and and um, Kyle Lowry did some things. So I thought Miami just looked really sharp. And Atlanta looked like they played two very stressful games this week. It's exactly what it looked like. Trey Young.
0: I wish the eight seeds could just have another couple of days. I do too. To I
1: really do the too Kyle. as well.
0: Uh, the, the, you recommended that Bulls center Nikola Vucevic take five threes a half and he took five threes in the first half and five threes in the second half. So nice job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out, but <laughs> I, uh, yeah,
1: he went two of 10, but two of the shots, at least two, I think I saw nine of the 10 because I, I, yeah, I missed a couple of minutes here and there. Um, two of them went in and out a big ones in the, in the second half. They were good shots. I want them to like, he should be told, don't you change a thing? Maybe even shoot more. Keep looking to take your shot, but he played well. He, I mean, this played well. Um, Milwaukee gives that shot up, and uh, the two best players in the game were probably Vucevic and Brooke Lopez. So I, we always are at such war with our big guys. I don't understand it. They were really important in that game.
0: Um, all right, we're going to move on. There's a lot more we could say about that. Um, oh, actually, we'll just add. Um, you said to me, Drew Holiday on defense.
1: My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That, Zach Levine's going to struggle to sleep this summer. Because he has got a case of the holiday. You know, Drew Holiday's on his ass. You just can't get an inch against that guy. Fuck. He's just a big, yeah. powerful, quick dude who who doesn't have to expend too much energy on offense in this round. Although Milwaukee could have used it. They scored, what, 93? <laughs> they didn't score yeah. well. But yeah, he's. Uh, this is not what Levine was hoping for in the playoffs to have Drew Holiday in round one. That's, that's no fun. All
0: right. The Suns beat the Pelicans by 11. It got a little interesting late. Um, and you noticed that uh, someone kind of pissed off CP3 maybe?
1: Yeah, CP after the game. Chris Paul said that uh, he loves Willie Green. They were together last year in Phoenix in that great run. And uh, it's hard not to love Willie Green from what I can see. He seemed like just this terrific guy. And um, But I could hear it. I, listened, I watched the game on Synergy again today. I watched it last night live. But on Synergy today, you can hear – I didn't know if it was Willie Green saying it, but CP said it was. You hear him say, go under. And early fourth quarter, they go under it, CP strokes to three. I think he made three in a row. It kind of ended the game uh, when the game was really getting competitive. And uh, that's just – that's Chris Paul. I, I'm not mad at Willie Green for it. Um, uh, I, I may not have – I may have just wanted my players to be trusting to know they were supposed to go under the screen, saying out loud, kind of challenge the most competitive dude in the league, and he did not take kindly to it. And engage, what did he score in the, in the fourth quarter, like 18 points? Like they're never losing when he's doing that he's normally not doing that. And so I thought it was good for Phoenix to be tested. I lo- the Pelicans are, should be very proud. Like they're not going to win this series probably, but um, obviously barring injury, they're not going to win it. Um, but this is what you want to get for next year.
0: Okay. So um, in an exciting fashion, you picked the Raptors of the 76ers and it would look to be going well. And then Scotty Barnes got hurt. Um, now they're, doubtful doubtful um, to play Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., or Thaddeus Young. I think I might have heard you say earlier on the phone, quote, they're dead now.
1: Is that, I, I <laughs> is that mean, where we are? <laughs> no, just for tonight, I meant. Yeah. If it, uh, okay, if, because okay. Gary Trent's out too. And Thaddeus yeah. Young. So I, yeah. I'd be shocked. I, I don't think it was going great for them in game one. I didn't care if they won game one or not. I mean, it's just a game. I thought Philly did a great job of keeping Toronto off the glass, which is probably one of their first priorities. Uh, uh, the, the Raptors messed up. They kept, this is, this is a credit to Tyrese Maxi, And we're going to write about this at some point. Uh, these are unicorns. These guys that are super fast, they can really shoot. We just don't have many of them. Normally the super fast guys can't shoot. Well, this, this guy can. And so the way the Raptors played him a lot was at the top, meaning we got to make sure we, we either deny him from three or guard him from three, but Maxi's speed allows him to just race to the rim They've got to make that adjustment. Tyrese got layups. He led the league in right hand layups this year. Uh, and so, but I thought, I, I thought Toronto could have won the game. They were down double figures when Scotty got hurt, but there was nothing that made me think they can't come back and win. It was going to be a good game. Scotty was on track to have, I think, the second, he'd have been the second youngest player to get a triple double in the playoffs in NBA history. And he might have had a 20 and, you know, 14 and 11 game. Like he was on, a, he was on the road for a monster game. And he guards everyone, including James Harden. Uh, that guy is fucking spectacular. But without him and Trent and Thaddeus, I mean they're gonna have to probably start Achua and maybe Kem Birch. Um, I just don't think they have enough. Siakam's gonna feel all the weight of the Sixers. He's have ball alone is enough to give him trouble. They're helping Danny Green or whatever. I think I was hoping for Toronto's sake, they go one-one and then go home. And play a Matisse Thybulle-less Sixers for two games, and you can get really healthy there. Now it's it's probably likely they're down 0-2, and I don't know that Scotty's back for another two or three games.
0: You noted that uh, Joel Embiid hit Kem Burch in the face pretty hard and slapped Scotty like in the eyes, and you were looking for how they would react to that.
1: Yeah, I was proud. I was glad that they competed. I I don't think that he was dirty. Um, I don't. uh, The referees definitely, they they were a little bit kinder to MB than they, they could have been. The the, the pop against, MB, again, Birch could have been a flagrant one. The one against Scotty was a flagrant one. Well, two flagrant ones, I think you're gone. So um, they got a little bit of benefit on that. But I thought Philly earned what they got. They really outplayed Toronto. Uh, I thought Toronto was more like Memphis. They were a little more casual. I was really shocked at that lack of urgency. Um, but uh, if Toronto can be competitive in game two, it'll give them some – some motivation for game three, if they get their guys back, it's just going to be tough. But I mean, they're get a little bit unlucky to... in that hmm?
0: they do. And they also got unlucky at their Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. So if yeah. you get, you know, injuries on Saturday cost more when there's two more games before yeah. Wednesday's
1: over. Yeah. It's funny how quickly things can turn with one t- turned ankle really fast.
0: Okay. Moving on to warriors nuggets. Um, I guess the story here, Steph came off the bench and was five of 13, 16 points. Didn't look amazing, but, The Warriors are so good that Jordan Poole just played the role of Steph Curry and worked out fine.
1: There we go. There's a unicorn, super fast shooter, super fast shooter, tough, tough to guard those guys. And, uh, I give great credit for coach Kerr. We, I believe you first mentioned once about why do you have to start a guy that's been hurt? And, Mm -hmm. um, I remember telling you about, you know, when Kevin Martin came off the bench for two games after Mm -hmm. uh, being, I think he broke his wrist and scored 81 points in two games off the band broke Larry Bird's record. Uh, I thought it was super smart by the Warriors. And um, the Nuggets, I mean, they're just – they have one amazing player and some good some good guys. But it's I, I think the bigger thing here is can Golden State ratchet up their defense and get it back to Celtics-level defense, which was Warriors-level defense the first half of the year before Draymond got hurt? And if they can, I think they're very legitimate threats to beat Phoenix. I'm, I'm not picking them. I don't have to pick them. <laughs> they're not playing for a while. But – um They can't beat Phoenix, I don't think, without that high level of defense. And I thought we saw, I mean, I think they held New Orleans to 34 points in game one. Now, New Orleans isn't a great offensive team, but that's still very impressive.
0: The other thing I would say say is like uh, probably a common feeling now is, oh, they're so lucky to have like another superstar scorer in Jordan Poole, which is kind of true, but it's not lucky because they gave the ball for years to Jordan Poole and Juan Toscano Anderson and Otto Porter Jr. And like all these players to kind of see if they could Royal jelly up a star. And they did, they got one. They tried with, you know, five ten Andrew Wiggins has been blossoming. Right. But this, like, this is your career, right? This player development thing of like, let's see what we can make out of Jordan Poole. And that's where that play where Kyrie didn't give the ball to Bruce Brown. Right. Is a moment that Bruce Brown doesn't become, you know, doesn't get that chance to be this player. And, and it doesn't always work, but they put big emphasis on that in in Golden State. And it, I think it matters. off this time,
1: yeah. I think it matters. And they also let Jordan Poole play G League a lot his first year, which I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Guys need reps. They got it. You got to play. You can't just mm-hmm. watch and practice. You got to play.
0: But those are players the Warriors have been playing with a lot of players that every team could have had. Yeah, including Jordan Poole, right?
1: Yeah, Trae um, Green was a second round pick. Jordan Poole, number yeah. twenty eight, I think. Looney. Looney was number thirty. <laughs> yeah. There's three of those. There's three of those starters right there. Right, right. Too bad
0: the whole league passed on them, you guys. Right. Um, okay, and then the last series. Uh, look at this. We did it. We still have five minutes left. Um, jazz Mavericks. Um, what'd you see? Uh,
1: you know, I, I think I have the Jazz in five because of Luca being out. I love seeing Luca uh, so engaged. I mean, it, you know, clearly doesn't want to lose in the first round again. <laughs> this would be three years in a row. Um, I, I think Dallas could win this series if they had Luka, but uh, Utah's got a great offense. They they have some defensive deficiencies out on the perimeter, but they have Rudy Goverin's side. I, I, I didn't see enough of a connection by Utah. They didn't suddenly think, hey, we're going to win this series. Let's be best friends again and care about each other on the court. I mean, Dallas almost won the game, but I just think Dallas is going to mostly be firing blanks late in games without – Luca. They're just such a Luca centric team. And then he sets the table for everyone else. So you know, you can, you can cook up the best food in the restaurant you want but someone in the wait staff has to bring it to the table. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Dallas has that. Dallas doesn't have. Yeah. I mean, Jason Kidd might have some great stuff. I don't know. I, I, I just know they have Luca. And when he's not out there, no one can deliver it. Spencer Dinwiddie is much better with Luca on the court. He's creating for mm-hmm. him and then he can create from there. Or shoot. I just don't think Jalen Brunson, same thing. So Lucas sets everything up for them, and he's not there.
0: You um, also said that if any team can blow a 2-0 or 3-0 lead, it's the Jazz.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot I said that. Right. Uh, yeah, they blew a bunch of leads late in the, in the season this year, which is impressive they got the leads, just like it'll be impressive they're up 2-0, 3-0. But if they're up 2-0 and Luca – if they're up 3-0 and Luca plays in game four – and the Jazz are down seven in the fourth quarter. Like They're not going to be free and easy because now they are got to go back to Dallas, and then it could be 3-2, and then just watch that paint melt off the wall because I, ju- I just think they're breaking the team up when the season's over. And, um, yeah. and so they all know it, too. I really think they know maybe only Donovan stays. It might just be Donovan Mitchell. Everyone else is gone. Uh, so that's, a, that's on Dallas. Dallas got to find a way to keep games close, and maybe steal a game, and then when Luka gets back, hopefully he's healthy, which we have no idea. And then anything can happen, because I, I, I just have a high, a high suspicion rate of, of, uh, of how connected Utah is.
0: All right, so it's Raptors at Sixers tonight, Jazz at Mavericks, and Nuggets at Warriors.
1: It doesn't stop. Yeah, good games, except for the Sixers one. without. If, if it was just Scotty being out, I think it'd be a good game. I um, would favorite Philly, but missing Gary and Thaddeus off the bench. Um, I mean, they're really short, uh, and they played so many minutes while all the other guys this year, they've not developed the bench. So i, I uh, that might be the one game that isn't so fun to watch. The other ones will be fine.
0: All right, I loved it. I love going super deep on a play like that. Um, should we give Gerard the final word?
1: Yeah, if his Wi-Fi is working.
2: I have no final I I have no <laughs> final words. <laughs> This is this what has been do? a great, great, great first game of playoffs. Uh, we'll see while. how it goes uh, the rest of the way. All
0: right, all right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, David. Thank you, Drod. See you guys on Friday.